Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. This is the 22nd uh, class chapter on uh, our review of the Dhammapada this year, 26 chapters. And by the way, the Dhammapada is now available in Kindle, paperback, and hardcover format. Forever quick, depending up the charts. Um, Mariah Vaga, Helen Nibbana. This is similar to Brian's excellent teaching last week on the greater and lesser happinesses. I like his distinction there that there's uh, there's greater and lesser happinesses. Um, here the Buddha is getting a little bit more forceful and some might even say harsh, but remember uh, some of the words such as evil or, uh, or foolish. He's only talking about people that hope to be practicing the Dhamma but are getting distracted by other things and how um, and the use of the word evil could be seen as unskillful. But when I uh, restored this, um, using the word unskillful instead of evil seemed to be losing the power that the Buddha intended on the, the clear distinction and really a, a teaching on wise restraint between it's this and it's not that. Narayavaga, the Buddha's words. And it starts right out, right, you know, knocking us right between the eyes. Liars and wrongdoers always suffer now and in the future. Many uncontrolled and evil people wear saffron robes. So the Buddha is talking about you just because you're putting on the robes and making the appearance of a Buddhist or some kind of um, religious uh, person doesn't necessarily mean that you have something to offer. And, you know, I can say that was my my experience through the first um, I, I don't know if I should they pin it down, but probably the first 10 years I was involved in modern Buddhism, um, there were a lot of very sincere people wearing saffron robes that had nothing to teach me. That doesn't mean that they were bad people, but as far as the Dhamma was concerned, they were very unskillful. But, John, <clears throat> yes, sir. Um, these days, and probably then too, <clears throat> there was also the kind of tradition that people uh, who got themselves in trouble or basically didn't want, didn't want the hard work of, of, uh, of being in, in society would become uh, what we now call sadhus uh, and uh, <clears throat> become a religious person so that they could kind of live off of yeah. society. Yeah. You know, that, that's the kind of evil he's, he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, and, and they would be, you know, common thieves sometimes, uh, 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 people who abandon their families because a life is just too hard for them. And yeah. hey, you put on a saffron rope and you, you, can, you can get away with things. Yeah. And even in, in, in modern society, you have people that get into religion to get rich. Yeah. The big mega churches, um, the, the yeah, and then you have the, the rampant sexual abuse in, in all religions. Yeah, uh, you know, that's one of my books. I've been writing it for years now. Is how there's I have I have not come across a modern Buddhist tradition that did not have some kind of sexual scandal in it. 
-hmm. or or drug addiction and alcoholism by the by the head teacher. And again, it, it's not that these are bad people; they had nothing to teach. But it, it taught me. Um, it taught me what it's not, you know. And I became friends with some of these people, uh, rather well-known teachers. And again, they were all sincere, wonderful people, but they they had lost their minds. They didn't know what mm -hmm. they were doing. And, and it was a way um, to make a living rather than to live. You know, that, that's a that's a big distinction between what the Buddha was teaching and what almost everybody was doing that around during the Buddhist time as well as our time, associating with somebody who was who had some type of notoriety, especially if you were a, a local king, you know, you wanted somebody who was recognized to be part of your kingdom. And, uh, and that, that still goes on today. There's still people try to prove themselves as something uh, special simply by their association and who, whose names they can drop. Thanks, Ron. By their deeds, they will continue continue the living death of ignorance. It is better to swallow a red hot iron ball than to accept alms while living mindlessly and hurtfully. The mindless consorting with another spouse, continuing ignorance, whose sleep is disturbed, who is of ill repute, will give birth to ongoing stress and suffering. That's an important teaching uh, from the Buddha on karma and rebirth. Excuse me. So the Buddha never taught karma. He used a word because it was common, but he used it um, so that he could teach how it relates to his Dhamma. So karma, according to the Buddha, was not some kind of grand universal behavioral modification scheme of applying punishment on people um, from an external force. The Buddha teaches karma and re rebirth in this way, that we make our karma. John Lennon was right. Instant karma is going to get you. It's right here and right now. If you want to know your karma, look in the mirror. Look what's happening in your life and look at what you're giving birth to. Again, the Buddha's teaching on birth and rebirth had nothing to do with a future life or future lives. It was to be mindful of what am I giving birth to in this moment? And that relates to what present quality of my mind. Whatever I'm holding in mind is going to reveal itself. That's why many of us, when we start Dhamma practice, we, we kind of... Um, stick on right speech because it immediately shows us you know that ongoing story that we're telling ourselves is the one that's causing the most stress for ourselves so when we can start looking at what's coming out of my mouth what's coming out of my mouth is what i'm holding in mind and it's always like that um and i was going to use an example but i won't get into politics we can't go there um let me continue <laughs> rom said thank you <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm just exampling wise restraint here, by the way. The pleasure is brief for those ruled by passion, and kings impose harsh punishments. The wise restrain themselves. Just as Kusa grass cuts the mindless handler, so a contemplative living wrong, living wrongly. Let me read it again. Just as Kusa grass cuts the mindless handler, so a contemplative a contemplative life wrongly lived, got it out, brings confusion, delusion, and suffering. So I lived that contemplative life for many years, and I simply got more confused, more frustrated, more angry. And it was really um, when I had come to the end of my rope in that, 
and it, it kind of was out of that anguish that I just had this thought that I believe there was a human being, Siddhartha Gautama, who awakened. And that thought that got me going in the right direction was if he was a human being, which I believed he was, he wouldn't have taught something that no human being could utilize because nothing I had come across in all those years had any real application to my life. I could, you know, be part of this part of the group that, you know, kind of had a same kind of worldview, et cetera, et cetera. But I wasn't doing anything that, that brought understanding to me, which is what I wanted. It's what I was so frustrated about when I was in kind of an angry 13 year old. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was because nothing made sense to me. I didn't understand why am I here? Am I here to, you know, to, to just make a lot of money and get the big house and have the, you know, the perfect family? Is that the point of life? It didn't seem like that was what it should be. But it wasn't until I came across what the Buddha taught that I realized what the point of life was. It was to live it without conditions. And that changes everything. Any mindless act or fabricated view, any corrupt act will bear much disappointing fruit. Another reference to karma and rebirth. Engage with the Dhamma with joyful enthusiasm and mindful diligence. That's really all it takes to keep us going. You know, a joyful engagement with the Dhamma and ongoing diligence to just practice, to meditate twice a day, twice a day, to come to class as often as you can, to listen to the talks maybe a few times during the week and study, read the, read the suttas that are on the website. Lazy practitioners constantly stir the dust of passion. I love that line. Lazy practitioners constantly stir the dust of passion. <clears throat> because it's passion that leads to laziness, isn't it? Abandon evil as evil continues to torment the wrongdoer. Doer. Cultivate the Dhamma and abandon torment. So if we want to understand how to stop tormenting ourselves and likely others, take to the Dhamma. Always guard yourself within and without, just as a border city is well guarded. The opportunity to develop my Dhamma is fleeting. Another pretty powerful line, isn't it? To, to develop my Dhamma, it's fleeting. And the Buddha says in many suttas, Bahia Sutta comes to mind, but many others, that we don't know when the end is coming. We don't know when the cow is going to trample us. Take to the Dhamma and awaken. Have a human life before it's over. The Buddha's Dhamma is practiced by developing wise restraint at the point of contact with phenomena arising and passing away. The next review right after our retreat is going to be on wise restraint. We're going to have I think, 14 classes on that. The fool who maintains and defends false views is ashamed at what is skillful and is not ashamed at what is unskillful. They are always in a state of confusion, deluded thinking, and stress. <coughs> the fool maintains and defends false views. <laughs> Who fear the truth and embraces ignorance. They are always in a state of confusion, deluded thinking, and stress. The fool maintains and defends false views who see the truth as evil and does not see evil. They are always in a state of confusion, deluded thinking, and stress. The wise disciple, knowing what is right and what is wrong, upholds right view and maintains a calm and peaceful mind. So this could sound like the Buddha is getting into morality, but he's really not. It's between 
integrating the Eightfold Path wrongly or not at all, or integrating the Eightfold Path as a limiting path for our own awakening. Read it again because it's the end, just to emphasize it. The wise disciple, knowing what is right and what is wrong, that's living within the framework of the Eightfold Path, upholds right view and maintains a calm and peaceful mind. As our Dhamma teacher, Jen, is always saying, we train only for calm. And that's really what we're doing. Brian um, talked last week about the, um, the greater happinesses, such as the increased concentration, real re refined mindfulness, <clears throat> which comes down to knowing what we're doing here. What am I doing here? Am I living my life as a human being or am I continuing, continuing to live a fabricated view of myself that I hope the world sees and not what I really think of myself, which is I'm not good enough to be here or realize I'm just a human being living a human life. That's all I can ever be. And then the choice is, okay, what am I going to do this moment as a human being? What do I want to do rather than what am I driven to do by my fabricated views? What is most important in this moment? Again, as Dhamma teacher Jen says, we train only for calm. Is the activity that I'm engaged in in this moment, is it, is it settled in calm and concentration or is it agitating me and distracting me? When it is, it's time to stop. Time to stop. There's nothing to understand at that point except re recognize that you are agitated. You're distracted. You want something to be different or you want another person to be different, or even worse, you want yourself to be different because you can't. But you can develop a calm and peaceful mind through the Dhamma. And then you're a human being, what you were born to be. That's my teaching for today. <laughs> Thank you all. We'll go online first. Uh, let me go from the bottom up and I wanna to talk to my friend, Anthony first. How are you, Anthony? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good to have you back. Yeah, I know. I need to come more often. Um, thank you for the yeah. teaching. It was wonderful. And um, I think I'm just going to exercise noble silence and enjoy everyone else's interpretations today. <laughs> thank you, Anthony. I'm glad you're here. Hello, Jeff. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I was kind of struck even with just the title here, The Hell and the Bana, as it, it seems obvious, but it, I was struck with them being a state of mind, and, yeah. right, as opposed to a location, which is the common conception of hell and heaven. Yeah. And, uh, no, I think that's that's basically what this is all speaking to, of course, is the quality of your mind. Yep. And that really is our choice. You know, we learn through the dollar. It's up to me. If my mind isn't calm and at peace, I'm stuck in some kind of eye making. So is yeah. uh, our friend Deborah there with you? No, Deborah is not this morning. Tell her we said hello. I shall. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, Kevin. Morning, John. Hello, everybody. Yeah, um, it, this is great. 
uh, teaching and it continues the why, you know, the whole thing, the wise versus the fool, obviously. And uh, the one line I really like too is what you pointed out, the opportunity to develop the Dhamma is fleeting. Ignore the opportunity and regret will follow. And it's just that, you know, I feel so fortunate to have had that opportunity and to yeah. continue to try to develop it. It's not easy often, but it is a great goal. So yeah. thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, the, the, the Dhamma is one of the two most significant things that happened in my life. One was getting off of drugs and alcohol, and the other was discovering this. And I, I couldn't imagine my life without it, but I'm glad that I don't have to. You know, and it, it is, that it is so um, completely applicable today as it was 2,600 years ago. The four noble truths are called noble truths because they're lasting. You know, <laughs> they, as far as there's going to be human life on this planet, there's going to be four noble truths, and it's best if you're going to be a human being to understand that we get to do it. Thanks, Jeff. Dhamma teacher, Tom. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, I think I'm actually going to take noble silence as well today. Um, thanks for the teaching. There's lots here. Um, I just don't really have, or I can't quite, I'm just still, I'm still digesting it. Let's put it that way. And I think I need a bit longer to digest it. And I'd like to listen to everyone else's uh, questions or comments um, for the now. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Uh, nobody has to talk, Stephanie. It's not a requisite of being in our class, but we'd like to hear what you have to say if you'd like to. So welcome to our saga. Thank you. I'm Stephanie. I'm pleased to say something else after that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you can say it here, but we won't have a context for it. Um, I think I'm very fortunate to have met a group of people and, and to meet you um, in my life that um, connect addiction with Buddha and the Dharma. And there are people who have been doing this for many, many years. And it's, it's very unique. And one thing that I've, I've really learned is that whenever I'm disturbed, whenever there's an issue with my, who I am, it's my fault. It, yeah. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. So what Always. I am learning, yeah, yeah. And I'm learning to uncover my ego to, I feel like it's this blanket and that I'm pulling it off. And so, for example, I had a, uh, a talk with somebody yesterday and I said, um, I, I was very agitated and very um, uh, defensive because I knew the conversation, the person and how the conversation might go. And it was going to be difficult. And I was defensive. And the person said, why are you so defensive? And here I am trying to control the conversation because I want it to go a certain way. Yep. And I had to just be who I was and just stop it. Yeah. And that's what I learned in learning Buddha and uh, realizing that if I'm God, 
if I decide to be God, it's going to be a pretty screwed up world. <laughs> yeah, it's not your job. Not it's not my job. job. It's not yeah. my job. So that's why I've decided to really study this because um, the fellows and the people that I'm with are doing this. So I thought it would be great for me to do this and to, to listen to other people. And, and when I have these little things that come up in life, even the big and the small, and the meditation has helped me so much. I yeah. mean, I can't even tell you. It's amazing. I know. Um, yeah. Um, anyhow, that's all I needed to say. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> nice thank to be on. Oh, by the way, my first speech to you was wrong. I actually did do this meditation. I just didn't remember uh, on one of your videos, and I did it with Brian. Oh. So, oh, good. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, there's yeah. recordings on the website that, you know, I yep. encourage you to download and listen to and just keep studying. And all this will, will make more and more sense. Um, yeah. I used to say, what well, I used to say, I, I said it often that if there was a picture of Bill and Bob, you know who I'm talking to, right? Talking yeah. about. If there yeah. was a picture of them in Buddhist robes, it wouldn't surprise me because the 12 steps. And the Eightfold Path deal essentially with the same thing. If the Eightfold Path goes a little deeper, but it's recognizing and abandoning self-centered behavior. You know, and yeah. you'll hear me talk about, and the other teachers talk a lot about eye-making. It's all the same thing. It's all either promoting ourselves or defending ourselves, and it's exhausting, and that is dukkha, because there's no need for either one of those things. But, all right, again, welcome yeah. to our song. I'm, I'm glad you joined you. us today. See you, you. see you again, I hope. Absolutely. Hello, Mary. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, I was struck by um, just the contrasting nature of the title of this sutta. Um, creates a little drama, and uh, often that's what we're looking for is a little drama, a little passion. Um, I think sometimes we think that makes us feel alive, um, but really, um, my experience with it is that, as you said, it's skillful and unskillful is really the, the contrast that um, should be guiding us, that this practice is really filled with ordinariness um, and just very basic practicality. Um, and then we, we navigate sort of the validation process of the practice by the increase in our understanding. And that would be like with a capital U that our, we have an aha, but it's not a passionate aha. It's a shift, you know, they used to use the word paradigm shift a lot, but it's a shift in our understanding. And when that shift occurs, we can live more skillfully. And, um, so I think the practice is very, um, well, as Jen says, we practice for calm. And so it doesn't have all the high highs that maybe people are looking for when they're going through self-discovery, but it has those moments of validation that you're headed on the path and you're having increased understanding. 
and, um, you know, living a more skillful life, but it's holding yourself accountable to the things that maybe contrast in your own life to living a skillful life and addressing them and coming back to the Eightfold Path. So thank you. This is a really good teaching, John. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Mary. That, that, that shift within the Dhamma is comfortable. You know, it's, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you point it, it's not harsh. We're not, we're not developing something that is inhuman. It's comfortable, it's familiar. We're becoming ourselves. We're becoming who we truly are. Thank you, Mary. Um, Brian, did I just see your cat walk across Kevin's screen? <laughs> that's, that's some trick. It's a oh, zoom no. trick. It's really good. Oh, that's funny. Magic trick. Kevin has yeah, I mean, I guess he can do anything through Zoom. Huh? He, he's uh, he can teleport. He's pretty special. Yeah. Schroeder. <laughs> uh, no, no, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, similar to, to Mary, there's intention is is karma. Yeah. Right, and this 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 chapter is teasing out the karma that befalls a person based on the greater or the lesser happinesses. And yeah. if I'm if I'm chasing and reacting to this phenomena, contacting the senses without concentration, without understanding, it perpetuates more ignorance. And it's it's not good karma or bad karma, it's skillful or unskillful. Yeah, because even even your best intentions can result in hurtful, harmful behavior or consequences. And so, yeah. if acting skillfully, that's a different lens mentally, and skillful being in the context of the the noble eightfold path. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. You're um, the when you're talking about skillful intention or unskillful intention you know I, I think about the crusades or or modern jihad today the, the people behind that are completely sincere and believe what they're doing in fact they believe they're in some way saving people but the result was brutality and and you know etc 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 but it was an unskillful idea in, in the first place that got going and look i mean human beings can you know, we can do a, do a lot, um, and we do do a lot as compassionate, loving human beings. But when we start losing our minds because of greed and aversion rooted in deluded thinking, we're capable of doing horrible, horrible things to each other. And that hasn't changed. You know, our, our modern, the, the, the way the world is today, it, it, it seems like it's um, more chaotic than it's been in my lifetime. But it's not much different than what was going on during the Buddhist time either, you know, and, and uh, the four noble truths are still noble truth. And we can develop a common peaceful mind, no matter what's occurring out in the world. So thank you, Brian. Bridget, do you mind being on camera? I don't know. Here's Bridget. <laughs> and uh, I think Brian's comments are kind of touching on something I was wrestling with something I'm trying to tease out uh, and I think that it kind of revolves around like maybe uh, an impatience that I'm experiencing developing skillfulness yep. and I think that uh, 
I've been wanting it now. <laughs> and uh, in my mind, I think I'm saying like, oh, well, I'm putting in the effort, you know? Why am I not skillful right now? <laughs> Why can't I tackle the really good stuff right away? Is that being gentle with yourself? No. Yeah. And impatient. Um, so that was really helpful to just uh, to hear that and to remind myself that skills is different than power, you know? Yeah. When you, when you grasp over the power to control or change, and that's something that you imagine you could get brutally, instantly. You could grab and make a change, you know. Yeah. Like a skill is something that you develop over time with practice. So that's what I yeah. got from the teacher. Yeah, a, a, a great insight, Bridget. You know, the, 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 uh, the world often presents it, itself as harsh. And so we feel like we need to have some kind of power because of that harshness. But the Four Noble Truths teach us this is just what's going on. You know, whether it's, whether it's harsh or it's a beautiful day like this and everything is pleasant, it's, it has to do with what I'm holding in mind that's going to determine my existence or my experience. And that's up to me. It's up to each and every one of us. And that's power to me, you know, because it brings me something that's great value. Thank you. There's Adam. Hello, friends. Hello, Adam. <clears throat> Thank you for that, John. Um, I think you make a good point in kind of um, maintaining the, the power of the language because um, it kind of pushed out two themes to me, uh, one of agency and mm -hmm. another of urgency. Yeah. Um, agency in, in that it's like this power's in our hands to, to, make, to make these changes. Yep. Um, and uh, urgency in that, in that you can do it in this, in this moment. And as soon as you recognize... Yes. You're, um, you know, losing your mind, pulling yourself back in. Yeah. Come return to the breath, the returning to mindfulness. Um, and that changes everything in that moment. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and you know, it's it happens on a, a macro a micro scale, but during jhana meditation. Yeah. And on a macro scale, you know, during you know, everyday things that you're doing. That yeah. Be causing stress, and in that very moment, you say, "Okay, hold on, this is not me. It's not mine." Yeah. That's Dhamma practice right mm -hmm. there at the point of contact. And that's the only time we can practice the Dhamma yeah. is right here and right now. You know, we can't practice the Dhamma yesterday and we can't practice it tomorrow. We practice it right here and right now. Um, put you on the spot. Have you noticed, I know you've noticed that deepening. Now I mentioned it to Bridget too, this, the, this, this developing inner poise, right? It, you're, you recognize, okay, I'm about to lose it. Mm -hmm. And you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that that's the result of Dhamma practice, and that that just continues to deepen the, the experience of the the experience of the ending of eye making in this moment is the great joy of life, and that just deepens. You know, I keep going back to this student asked me a couple of years ago, why did the Buddha keep meditating after he awakened? because he, he's, he was living the life that he wanted to live. It was wonderful for him. It wasn't a burden to live his life anymore. And he always talked about his life. I remember he was, he was a prince in his father's kingdom. It wasn't like he was living you know, a difficult life in Northern India. He had everything. And it just confused the hell out of him. <clears throat> out of him. And he came to this with nothing, you know, 
after six years of asceticism and he realized that's not it. And it's not that wealth that he had, the way that he was living, he's taking care of his mind. Well, also the awakening is not just a single moment in time that you is in your past and you, you is somehow lost to time. It's mm. every moment you are awakening. Yeah, and, and it's a stringing together and acknowledgement of what's occurring. That's again, you have to come and see for yourself. And the framework beginning in jhana meditation gives you the vehicle to do that. You know, it is, it's, it's, uh, it's a perfect practice in that way. It's not lacking anything. Yeah. All you gotta do is practice. What's been really striking is um, this moments like during work or whatever, when I realize that I'm about to lose it in whatever, in whatever sense. Um, you know, letting go of that, whatever it was that got me there is the exact same sensation as returning to your breathing during John meditation yep. for me. And yep. that's just, that knocked me on my butt. I thought that was really remarkable and incredibly real. Yeah, and that it, I, they, the, what we do in jhana meditation is both metaphor for practice and the actual experience of practice. It's, all right, my breath. And our breath is always our anchor to the present moment as long as the breath isn't fabricated, meaning, you know, we, in modern practices, we can manipulate our breath for this or that. Just breathe, just breathe. You know, we get one breath in the beginning and there's going to be one breath at the end and in the middle, it's up to us what we're going to do with it, with our breath. Are we going to let it lead us towards our own life or is it stay in distraction and ignorance? Thank you, Adam. Here's Becky. Yes, yeah. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> There's so much, there was so much in here, and I really, really enjoyed listening to what everyone said. <clears throat> um, especially um, Brian and, uh, and you, John. The idea of Skillful, skillfulness is what hit me. And sometimes if your intention <clears throat> isn't right, you can fool yourself into thinking you're being skillful. Yep. And um, I guess I've just sort of realized while I'm sitting here that I have that has happened and it's important to be try to identify your intention or try to know what your intention is before you launch on some i don't know it's another it's another uh, way of controlling okay. um so that hit me, and that was that was a real learning learning moment for me this morning. <clears throat> um, also, uh, when you said I've I've experienced changing my mind mm -hmm. in a moment of stress, and that is really powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, and it's a comfortable shift. Yep. And it's amazing how powerful it is 
and how small of a shift it is. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like so. All of those things came through, and thank you. And we train only for calm. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Becky. That's a pretty good line. Is Rom. <clears throat> This is a bit of an unusual chapter because most of it is on unskillfulness. Mm -hmm. um, almost every line is this is how you create your suffering. Yeah. This is how you create your suffering. This is how you are unskillful. Uh, and then just towards the end, it's like, here's the Dharma to, to guide you to, uh, to calm. Yeah. He's really doubling down uh, towards the end of of uh, of, of the Dhammapada to, yes. to really stop doing all that stuff. You know, just right. Yes. Get out of it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Well, it's really helpful to have all this identified. It's like ah, aware of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just because you're, you know, in religion, <coughs> and, and religion has has its, its its place in society, but even there, you can be completely unskillful and and uh, inauthentic and and just plain old bad. Yeah. The, you know, and and even you know even <coughs> when you're in when you are when you pretend to be. Practicing the Dharma, even there, you can be unskilled. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what I experienced for many years. Mm -hmm. Again, very sincere people, but very unskillful. Mm -hmm. Hello, Jen. Hi, everybody. Um, so I've been kind of like playing around with lately this idea that skillful does not necessarily mean comfortable mm. not that i not that i want to be like you have to be uncomfortable but that if i find myself doing something skillful that is also uncomfortable that's okay yeah you have an example of like sometimes it, you feel yes like um i don't want to meditate right now yeah. I don't, or, I mean, I think for me, uh, what I, the reason, the context, the example, the context I've been noticing this in this past week is that my husband and I sort of decided together that we wanted to start getting more exercise. So we decided that we were going to get up before work and walk around the neighborhood. And so we kind of made this commitment to each other that we were going to get up at a certain time and walk before work. And um, it's been wonderful, you know, and the practice, my practice, um, because I have a practice, I'm able to, I, I feel, I feel that what's different about this experience with like, starting a, a new, you know, exercise regimen has been that I have the mindfulness 
to really recognize the benefits of it so that because I'm generally more present with my own experience that I'm able to recognize really subtle um, physical benefits from developing a healthy habit. Um, yeah, practical benefits. Right, yeah. right. Um, and, but I, I noticed that I have this sort of idea in my head that like getting out of bed at 4.45 in the morning is, is going to some eventually be pleasant. <laughs> be pleasant and or that I'm, doesn't provide miracles yes exactly <laughs> i mean really though i mean it's like it's like you know i've been i, I can get and like something bridges how does the first I, note no but, truth relate to that yeah, there is duca there's duca and i think <laughs> something bridget said was like you know you get impatient like so i could get easily distracted by somehow telling myself that if something's making me uncomfortable, it's, it's not gentle. Anytime you break a habit, right. There's discomfort. Exactly. It. Yeah. But the results of it can be, you know, yeah, another word for habit is conditioned thinking. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And conditioning. So that's what I mean by like, just, you know, in some, sometimes like being able to just dismiss the internal dialogue around this being a challenging or uncomfortable and just kind of dismissing it in the moment of as i'm making yeah. kind of a little irrelevant like okay yeah yeah that's it, all it is, is uncomfortable but we're gonna do it anyway yeah as a consequence of having a human skillful. life there's going to be doing right especially those who get up at 4 45 exactly and, right and but you're doing it and so the stress of it is okay you understand it exactly yeah, yeah. It's a, it really is a good point so yeah. get, getting up at 4 45 is is dukkha right but there's a reason for it and there's a it's a well thought out reason it's not something that you're doing impulsively so it, it's just right. recognizing dukkha and taking a walk. Yeah, and yeah. As, as you're doing you it mindfully, the, the discomfort goes away pretty quick. Maybe, maybe. We'll maybe. see. Just, you know, just <laughs> I, I, just, I recently you know, changed my, my, my eating habits. Yeah. And I skipped breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I had looked at that before. I thought, oh, God, no, no, I don't want to skip breakfast. No, right. no. Right. And then. When you do it, you realize when you do it mindfully and, and, and observe what's going on, you realize no, it's not so bad. There's, there's not a whole lot of discomfort here. Yeah. And what, what is there is easily recognized as you know something that, that really has nothing to do with you. Right. I'm just conditioned to be that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> we all work. Cheers, David. Okay, hey, John. Thank you. Thank you, David back to me well thank you all um we'll continue this on tuesday um and we'll finish anybody else have any questions or comments okay finish with meta as we normally do and the meta um that we're about to do 
is the Buddhist description of what it's like to be an awakened human being. So just take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness unite your mind and your body. Hmm. And the Buddha's words from the Metta Sutta. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon, they abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desire, they abandon ignorance of four noble truths. Having completed the path, they are not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Thank you, John. Peace. Thank you, John. John. Bye. Bye, all. Bye. Have a good weekend. Take care. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.